Welcome to Terrify Me, a podcast about scary stories from fact, fiction, and folklore. This time around, I've got three guests with me. This is the team behind Split Screen from Dreadstone Press. Um, first of all, we've got Alex Evanstein, who is the editor, and then the two writers who contributed novelettes to this little combo volume, uh, Carson Winter and Scott J. Moses. So welcome, guys. Uh, absolute pleasure to be speaking with you today. Um, so we'll start off just with some introductions. Alex, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, I'm uh, Alex Evanstein. I am the founder and uh, sole member of Dreadstone Press. Um, and I also happen to write a little bit uh, of my own stuff, not related to Dreadstone Press. But yeah, uh, Split Screen was my, my idea, not to make it you know, a bigger thing than it is. But yeah, that's me. Awesome. And Carson? Hey, I'm uh, Carson Winner. I am an author and I've written the story The Guts of Myth that is in Split Screen. I also have stories in uh, Apex, Vastarian, and an upcoming novella uh, called Soft Targets with Tenebrous Press. Perfect. And Scott? Uh, yeah, just a you know, writer of weird horror fiction. Um, have a debut novella out with um, Darkwick Press early next year. And um, my contribution was uh, The Mourner Across the Flames uh, for Volume 1, Split Screen. Excellent. Uh, yeah, I've read the book, really enjoyed it. Uh, Carson, I know his work very well, uh, probably too well. Scott, this is actually <laughs> my first time reading you, though. And I was really cool. impressed. Uh, really awesome. impressed with your story. Really well, enjoyed thank it. Thank you. Thanks. So let's start off with talking about like the genesis of the project. Uh, Alex, what made you want to do novelette combo books? Yeah, um, this is a an old idea at least in terms of my, you know, writing and publishing career, so to speak. Um, before I even started Dreadstone Press, it was just one of those kind of like one of those moments where I'm like, you know what? <clears throat> kind of thinking fondly of those uh, split EP albums and it just like a, a, a moment of like that memory or that like thought combined with, I kind of want to publish people. and. Like, what if I tried to do that with with stories, with books? And, you know, you, the more you think about it, like, okay, what would be a good length? And um, I thought about the novelette, which is kind of one of those weird, weird length uh, stories that you don't see often or you see it um, buried in a, in a collection. Um, but, yeah, you don't see many, at, from a writer's perspective, certainly many venues open to that. And from a reader's perspective, you just... You don't see it often. And I think it's a really nice, um, I mean, novellas are great and it's a good, good length, but like novelette, that's like a, that's an easy, like sit down, read it, you know, front to back without, you know, without getting up. And um, that split EP idea, you know, combined with that, I thought, well, if I can get a couple of authors, put them in a book together, then you hope that you have the fans of one coming for the book and then they discover someone new. And, and, and really the big thing for me was getting, exposure to these authors that they might not otherwise get uh you know they get extra eyes on it that way right and if you're in an anthology you it's also you can be buried by the other authors in an anthology so you know limiting it limiting it to two was important you really get eyes on those two authors and that, that was important 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm a big fan of the novel at length. Um, like, yeah, it's my favorite length of sort of horror, weird story, I think. Like, it's long enough where you can get really invested and you, there can be a lot of interesting stuff going on, but it's short enough that you can just devour it in a sitting. Uh, I actually read this book in one sitting. Uh, it was, yeah, I couldn't put it down. Um, really good. So let's talk a little bit about Carson's story. Uh, you open the volume and you do it uh, with your inevitable sort of, oh, how to describe your writing. Well, you describe it. You talk, talk oh, a little I'm, bit about the I'm supposed to? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of a, I would say it's kind of like a hard-boiled noir um, told with hopefully um, a good amount of uh, wit and viciousness. It's uh, also um, goes to pretty weird places. Uh, for me, it was kind of uh, um, a combination of a lot of horror influences. I really dig stuff kind of like, um, you know, Cronenberg, but also kind of uh, Laird Baron tough guy characters and stuff like that. Um, and also just building off some other stories, mythos that I've already, I already have in the tank. So it was um, kind of a fun way to explore a lot of uh, different things I really dig. Yeah. And uh, the, the choice to set it in 1970s London was a pretty cool one. Uh yeah, I don't even know why that happened. It just kind of like, it's one of those decisions you make on the first page and you're just like, yeah, this fits, this works. Mm. Um, I, I knew kind of one of the things I had in my mind, I think at a certain point was like, you know, my, I felt like my writing was very focused on like me as a dude in the Pacific Northwest. Like it's very easy to write that dude in the, you know, Portland suburbs every time and i was like well, okay well i kind of want to break out of that I, I still had some uh pacific northwesterner stuff in there but um yeah i was i was kind of trying to branch out and be like okay i want to write someone who's not like me uh for this one yeah i think you did a good job as the, the the way you sort of your london was a very sort of lock stock and two smoking barrels sort of london <laughs> which is uh, probably my favorite version of London. Uh, I lived in London for a little bit when I was younger. Uh, oh, that's working cool. in, Yeah, like working in bars and stuff and um, like bars that hosted like urban nights and stuff. So it's a lot of like seedy things going on. It was very fun. But um, yeah. I think Dracula AD 1972 was the other influence. Uh, that The Hammer Horror Dracula flick with Christopher Lee, which is mm. probably the wisest one in the... Um, in the franchise where they just decide to put Dracula in the seventies and there's a lots of uh, teenagers dancing and having wild parties and also Dracula, of course, eating them. Well, that's what you come for, isn't it? With a Dracula flick, you want to see him eating young people. It is. Uh, yeah. That's, that's the pleasure <laughs> of the hammer Dracula movies is you get to watch a tall guy in a cape, say four words across 90 minutes. <laughs> perfect yeah all right scott let's hear a little bit about your story this this one's very interesting to me oh well thank you um yeah i guess uh in a nutshell it just um follows an outcast in a post-apocalyptic kind of world um not much background there but i kind of enjoyed that just being vague um yeah and he's essentially slowly losing his mind and um as the story progresses you're not quite sure 
if how, what he's actually seeing is an actuality there. Um, I really liked the whole unreliable narrator kind of angle and just kind of really tried to lean into that. But I guess it's equal parts, maybe weird horror. Fantasy. Anybody else here, Scott? Um, I can't even believe yeah. I'm about to say this, okay. but like Laird Barron and Brian Evanson, just in emails Alex had sent us, were like, hey, this is kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, Gene Wolfe and um, me just being a heretic. I had never actually read any Gene Wolfe before. Hmm. So I currently am, and I can actually see what they're coming from now. Um, but uh, that was pretty humbling. But uh, yeah, um, just kind of like a pie of fantasy, weird horror. Uh, I guess. Yeah, yeah, no, it really worked for me. I had um, yeah, the Gene Wolfe comparison is pretty apt. It had a lot of like old school, like down and dirty sword and sorcery kind of fantasy vibes for me. Like, uh, and awesome. yeah, I love that stuff. Uh, wow. Can't get enough of it. It's what I grew up reading um, to a large extent. Yeah, uh, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed. I, I love an unreliable narrator. Uh, I'd say. It's, <laughs> I think like one of my favorite things about like Scott's story is it made me think a lot about how like kind of these classic horror tropes. I don't want to give too much away about Scott's story because it is kind of a twist, but there are, are these ideas there that, you know, you can you can trace back in horror and kind of see uh, Scott's story as like kind of a, a new remix that injects, you know, new influences, new ideas and a new approach to those that kind of makes them um very exciting and kind of uh, in dialogue with the genre itself, which I really appreciate. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd almost say that it's in dialogue with a very specific sort of time frame of genre fiction, which would be sort of like the 1950s, 1960s. I, I don't know, I know how intentional that was, but there was a lot of elements of like sci-fi, fantasy and horror from that time period that I sort of felt were in or evoked that sort of time period for me anyway. I felt similarly, and but I was thinking kind of like there's a seed of the Twilight Zone and like some Richard Matheson and stuff, but like dragged into the modern weird with like mm. a totally not stylistically similar to Matheson at all, but like it brings some of those concepts and, um, you know, plays with them a little bit, which I thought was mm. really cool. Yeah, 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 that's, yeah, yeah, I can definitely see the Matheson comparison. So, Alex, putting these two together, I think they work really well as a couplet. Uh, couplet? I'm going to go with it. Um, double feature. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, double feature. That's exactly the, what I was looking for. Yeah, um, yeah, so it does work really well. <laughs> so, was it difficult finding two stories that gelled in that manner? Um, kind of. <clears throat> It was a it was kind of a weird process because I, um, I I've told them this but I originally did have a different story to go with Scott's and um, it didn't work out for a couple reasons um, and at first I was like oh man I, that that story would have worked really really well with Scott's and then I, I I had already known I wanted to publish Carson's story and I thought you know what those actually could work really well together there there are a lot of differences of course but. It, it felt like a nice, like one, two punch, mm. you know, like they didn't. And in the more I thought about it, the, the more I realized I don't, I don't need two of the same story back to back. In fact, that that's not really even what I, what I want, you know? Mm. Um, I think I was trying too hard to find similar stories when 
what fell into my lap kind of was this really nice, fast paced, witty, gritty story to open and then kind of slow it down and, you know, nightcap into the weird. Um, it, it, I, I'm very thankful that it worked out this way. Um, but yes, to kind of answer your question, it is one of the main considerations for picking stories. And this will happen again next, next, uh, February when I get pitches for volumes three and four, obviously I have to love the story, but I need to be able to put two together and be happy with that combination. You know, they, they, they don't need to be the same. They don't, have to be an amazing double feature but they should go together they shouldn't be you know stories that don't belong together because that kind of that's part of the reading experience i want people to sit down and read both stories you know in one sitting they don't have to of course but i i I think that's part of the reading experience yeah yeah and it's it's a great reading experience this is sort of like escalating weirdness throughout the entire volume which works fantastically well uh Yeah. yeah and uh talking a bit about the the design of the book itself like the the cover design and the you know the artwork and stuff it's really really quite exceptional like i like that it's not at all overdone like it's very sort of to the point which i I, I think kind of works very well with the character of the stories that are in it actually yeah i really appreciate that um there was a lot of thought going into the the cover design and just the art in general um specifically thinking okay this is book one of a series that may go four years i hope it does you know mm-hmm. um and so there's some considerations to make i could have just gone out you know got some like really crazy full full page you know cover art but i i want to have some kind of continuity between the design and the look of these books throughout the series and then you know another very important factor that is this book is two stories, two authors that have equal importance. So how do you get art for an entire cover that handles both stories? It, I mean, I'm sure it is possible, but you really wade into the territory of muddling the, you know, <laughs> the concept, I guess. Mm. And so <clears throat> I worked with uh, artist Evangeline Gallagher and got some ideas, basically laid out what I was looking for like hey i want something kind of simplistic but sharp and gives me an opportunity to give a a, a peek a, uh, an image of what the stories might be inside and so that's where uh the idea came to do kind of that half and half and like an icon a single piece of art that could give maybe a little little peek into what what you're going to see and um I'm really happy with it. I think it worked out really well and it allows me to kind of keep that template and still be unique, right? Have that continuity between books, but still have the uniqueness about them. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And again, it works really well. Um, the choice of color is really stood out to me and like that, that's sort of quite muted. Um, and just like two colors, you know, it's just this, yeah. I think it, it delivers in a sort of, um, don't know if, if bleak's the right word, but like. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that, it's particularly with Scott's story, you know, that's an exercise yeah. in, oof, things aren't going to go well, are they? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but you can definitely yeah, the feel color, 
the color was was tricky because you you know on the one hand you want to try to match what's inside but it's hard with two different stories and Mm -hmm. you also want to have it kind of stand out right Mm -hmm. like uh, a mintish green frankenstein green and black you don't see it very often and i was a little worried at first but it stands out it's something different and it's not just your black with you know blood red you know text like your standard horror you know template um mm-hmm. it's something a little different and i think i think it looks really nice i think it worked out really well yeah yeah absolutely absolutely so this is um in ebook and paperback is that correct you yes do, yep yeah um do you think you'd ever do a hardcover like a special edition sort of thing maybe <laughs> i don't know it's you know it's uh extra work and cost but i i like the idea of it i just i i worry about the size of the book mm. um yeah that's fair. how that would work for a hardcover because mm-hmm. it's you know it's thirty thousand words it's not it's not big yeah yeah but, it's definitely something I've considered. Maybe, maybe a special edition down the line. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. See how it goes. You have to do a volume one and two uh, special feature hardcover. There you go. I was yeah, thinking that, like yeah. year year twenty twenty two, the special. You know that that edition that could be cool. Oh, that, that could work really well. A double feature, double feature. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> just recursive double features. Just keep going with it. Uh, so. Carson and Scott, um, let's chat a little bit about writing novelettes, specifically that form, as opposed to short stories of or novels. What, what do you feel is different or what unique challenges are present in working with that sort of length, do you feel, uh, Carson? Um, I think really what I've come to realize is all lengths, uh, it just comes down to controlling scope, which mm. is... Um, kind of also frustratingly nebulous because it's like well how much story (laughs) is this going to be and um it kind of comes through just feeling it out um really that's what i feel like you know i i approach uh novelettes with essentially you know more story than a short story um i might um use more novel type um structures like i might do chapters and stuff like i did with guts of myth but i feel like there's also kind of a freedom with novelettes to um you know be a little bit more minimalist um in your approach you can uh paint things with a broader brush and kind of like keep the pace going a little bit um which i really like i i really like the novelette length and i think one of the cool things is that especially now with authors like Laird Barron and John Langan, who almost seem to um, these days exclusively work in that novelette form. It seems like a lot of their stories are, you know, between 10 and 20 K. We have a lot of great examples of like perfect novelettes. So we can really now read a lot of great horror novelettes and internalize that structure and that approach and kind of take those lessons from the masters and apply it to our own work. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Scott, how about you? Uh, yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, um, I, I might come at it from a different angle because I'd say in my bones, I'm a short fiction writer. So whereas like a novelist may feel constricted, I feel like I have a lot of room to play but it just ends up being sort of more concise just organically, I guess. 
Um, so yeah, it's just, I guess, knowing kind of like Carson was saying how much detail to put in, but also it still needs to be stripped down. Um, and uh, I mean, I've read some excellent novels, don't get me wrong, but some, you know, here and now I'll read them and I'm like, man, why so long winded? Like this could have been 50 pages shorter and it would have been X like, but that's just me being, you know, my personal preference. But, um, yeah, I guess, um, uh, I don't know, like authors like Brian Evanson, he can write like a three page short story and you yes. are involved in a world, like a novel yeah, yeah. world. And, mm-hmm. um, a lot of people are, well, not, I won't say a lot, but many people have told me they're not too fond of like dream sequences and, uh, you know, flashbacks. And I think that really serves you well um, in a format like this, you know, just a line or three of just like a flashback and then you can fit kind of cram more story in there. Whereas, you know, in a novel, maybe a whole chapter. Um, so I don't know, long story short, uh, um, yeah, just, you know, more stripped down. You can get more meat in a short story, of course, but there's no room to go overboard. It has to just be an organic thing i feel like if someone's you know skimming in that format then you definitely need to reevaluate some things for sure mm, yeah absolutely and I, I definitely sympathize with your take on novels I, I do think there's a lot of novels out there which are sort of forced into that format and there should have been novellas um, i but- personally think we need way more short horror novels and stuff Mm. like i love brian evanson's novels and they all like hang around that kind of like you know 50 to 55k you know length and they are just exquisite they're perfect the open curtain Mm -hmm. is like one of the best horror novels ever written i feel like and it's it just clips along and it's crazy it is totally bonkers and it is so good it is yeah yeah Um, brian evanson is yeah i mean you know you mentioned brian evanson you mentioned lead baron and they're two of my all-time favorite writers specifically because they both work really well in the sort of formats I like and they're like and especially with Evanson he's just so evocative with so little right um, 100% yeah yeah and I, I sort of see sort of traces of that in both of you guys um, like with Carson I really feel like you evoke character really well with minimal work and Scott I think you actually do really well with setting and uh like atmosphere and stuff without having to go too hard on it like you know you just deliver the right amount that's incredibly yeah i felt like i could really like sink into scott's world when i was reading like the Mm. the prose is so poetic and immersive you can just like immediately feel yourself in the setting and just kind of like it becomes a part of you for the length of the book. And I thought that was um, like just really stellar writing. Yeah. Like from the first page, it was like, okay, this is where we mm-hmm. are. And this is what we're doing. Like there was just no doubt. And that could be quite difficult to do with um, like with secondary world or with post-apocalyptic or historical stuff, like to really just get right into the setting immediately. But it, it's really impressive how well it was done. Wow. Well, and I'll- thank you. I appreciate that. Cause setting is like my least favorite thing to write. <laughs> and um, I actually, uh, weirdly enough, but um, I had read um, Evanson's uh, Immobility shortly before starting this, and he just kind of throws you in. And I was like, how is he, like, I feel like I'm here, but and it's just very sparse and very, hey, we're here, just, you know, pick up details as you go along. So I appreciate yeah. you guys saying that because I feel like I suck at that. So 
That's interesting. Well, well it's, it's, you're yeah, excellent. No, no, I think people yeah, like add, in general, are, sorry, you go ahead. Yeah, sorry. I was just going to add quick, you know, from a publisher uh, perspective, um, everything that said, I totally agree with. And you, you both made it easy. Uh, the character and, and, and I mean, not to, obviously the world is very there for Carson, but the character, right. I mean, the first paragraph, first couple of paragraphs, I mean, by the end of that first page, I knew like, it'd be, it would be hard for me not to put like, you know, I, it would have to be a, like a massive crash and burn to not want this. And, and same with Scott, but that you immediately get immersed in the world in that setting. And just like, it oozes the vibe, you know, that, that aesthetic there. And it's it, page one. And it, it's talked about so often and what, you know, not to get too deep into like rejections and acceptances and all that, but page one means a lot. And it doesn't mean, you know, everything has to happen on page one, but I need to be there on page one or it's, it's going to be a tough sell. hundred yeah. percent. And actually one more thing, uh, one comparison I just thought of again for Scott is that what it reminded me, his prose style and kind of like, <clears throat> well, the length of the sentences and the way you use punctuation, the way that each sentence kind of draws you from beginning to end. Um, it reminded me a lot actually of how Kathy Koja uh, controls the reader's pace um, in like the cipher with her sentence structure uh, and her syntax. It was just incredible. Like, because, you know, it's easy to write kind of like a more, um, or rather, it's easy to imagine the experience of reading something with like a kind of a denser lyrical style with long sentences and like immediately just being like, okay, too long didn't read. I'm just fucking, you know, going to scan over this and move on. But that doesn't happen at all with Scott's prose, like you're immediately hooked on each sentence and it kind of just drags you along. And it's, uh, it's pretty remarkable to go along with it and realize how immersive it becomes. Wow. Uh, well, thank you. That's a, I'm going to note to say, uh, that's quite a comparison. Say the least. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I'd say it's pretty apt. I mean, uh, you know, I, I completely sympathize with, um, Carson's viewpoint there because it's something I kept I, I think it happened three or four times while I was reading a story Scott where um I would just stop for a second and just look at the page and think okay like this is going down a lot easier than it should considering how technical these sentences are like how you know finely wrought they are it's a, it's a balance that, that you don't see very often right usually stuff's either lyrical or it's very readable like the combo is rare wow well, thank you. I, again, I I don't even know what to say other than thank you. Well, I, you, you don't have to say thank you, man. Like, seriously, I, I love reading and uh, I love weird horror. And I'm definitely going to be reading a lot more of his stuff because I, yeah, it was really, it was a bit of a revelation for me. I really enjoyed it. Hell of a lot. Wow. I mean, uh, in Carson's story, I mean, I could follow, you know, with no spoilers, obviously, but I could follow that character and those characters for books on books on books just uh mm -hmm. planting that seed carson if you got any ideas uh <laughs> there for you, man it's good stuff <laughs> yeah no absolutely uh, carson actually one of your characters is a repeat character no in the guts of myth oh um almost kind almost. of yeah. yeah ish i mean there's repeated elements from some other shorts. I think I might bring Allosaurus into another uh, story at some point. Um, he's yeah. uh, my uh, 
Vincent Price-esque occultist character. Um, yeah, that name is outrageous, but, uh, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> it, it tickles me that I get to even say it out loud, and it's a real thing at this point, because it literally yeah. was just born out of a silly joke with my wife. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I'm just driving in the car, like, during Halloween season one year, I was like, wouldn't it be fucking ridiculous if there was like this occultist named Allosaurus Dambrazier? And she was like, yeah, that's fucking stupid. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to write it. That's yeah. going to be real. I'm going to make that real. Um, so, yeah, I was happy to manifest destiny with this and uh, put Allosaurus into a real life work. Yeah. You know what's weird about that as well is um, as quirky of a name as that is, once you're like in the story, you forget how quirky it is. It's just like, oh shit, it's this guy. Like you don't even register how quirky that name is. It just works. It's just well, weird. you know, I think it's important. You know, even in the context, you still got to sell it to the reader. You know, I, I kind of one of the things I really like as a writer is to take kind of dumb, goofy ideas and try to elevate them and try to you know make them feel earned in the universe and you know it becomes easier to imagine you know uh, a dude named allosaurus if you can you know kind of build the backstory a little bit have a little self-awareness with the characters everyone else thinks it's stupid too including allosaurus like it it's a lot easier to swallow and it, at that point i think it just kind of adds a little bit of texture to the world too yeah absolutely so while we're on the topic of other works, um, yeah, well, I've got you all here. Uh, so Alex, you've got another split screen coming out in November. You put yes. another one. Would you like to tell us a little bit about that? Um, yeah, sure. Uh, split screen volume two. Um, I got the, the authors, um, Cynthia Gomez and M. Lopez da Silva. Uh, I picked them up in the same pitch submission that i got carson um scott was the kind of the the, uh the initiator of all this i reached out to him but Mm. um the yeah the cynthia and m they have inadvertently because of the shuffling of stories we have a couple california based um horror stories in the in the next volume um one is based out of Oakland and um, kind of like a supernatural Faustian bargain type uh, ex- examination of poverty and gentrification and and the, and and where supernatural kind of plays into creating a life for yourself and escaping out of out of that. Um, and the other one is uh a goopy <laughs> la based underground body horror um love fest i guess uh it's i think they work really well together um i think when i read them i wouldn't have even it didn't dawn on me but i i'm very happy with how it worked out with them being together in the the next book um very different from volume 1 but i think that's going to be kind of the thing going forward you know each book is going to be different so that's there's good and bad of that you know if people love volume one maybe they won't love volume two i mean i obviously i hope they do but if you don't love volume one maybe you'll love volume two and it just it's a series right and 
maybe you don't love both stories in it, but it gets you, it gets people to, to give it a shot and, mm. and, and try out the next one. Yeah, no, hundred percent. It, it sounds good. It sounds interesting. And yeah, like you don't want to just publish the same book again and again. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it makes perfect sense to switch it up a little between volumes. Yeah. I'm excited to try that one. Uh, are you, have you got any of your own writing coming out at any point? Uh, me? Is that- yeah. Yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. Um, uh, I have a, I, it's been a quiet year for me in terms of writing just because I've been busy with split screen and um, just having a hard time getting writing down. But I am self-publishing a novella probably in January, maybe February of next year. Mm. Um, I, mm. yeah, I've had it for a little bit and I just, I want to get it out there and, mm. you know. Yeah, yeah, give people a chance to read me a little bit. Yeah, cool. Are you gonna do that under the Dreadstone label, or are you just pure self pub for that? So it's self pub. Um, this is a, a a topic of frequent conversation in the kind of, especially the horror Twitter community, and um, I've seen it asked a few times, and I've asked it myself. You know, should should the person who runs an in, a small press publish their own stuff there? Um, there's no correct answer here. And to be clear, I don't care if people do, uh, people who I consider friends have done it. It doesn't, I don't even bat an eye, but for me personally, it's important. It was important for me not to do that, to keep it separate. Um, and I'll tell you why it, why for me it is again, don't care if other people do it, but by publishing my own work under Dreadstone press, I'm implying that my work is at the level of all all the authors that I'm publishing. And it it very well may be, but that's not something that I feel comfortable claiming. I don't, I'm not going to go out there. Obviously I'm going to be proud of the stuff that I put out and I'm going to tell you that I think it's good, but it's not really for me to say I'm at the level of Carson and Scott and you should read it. You know, it's that quality. I, I don't know. I just, it's, it's a lot of pressure and, I, I felt a lot more comfortable keeping that a separate thing. I mean, now logistically, it'll probably show up on like the Dreadstone Press website in the shop just because I'm not going to go through all the logistics of separating that out. But sure. it is a self-published Alex Evanstein book, not a Dreadstone Press book. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I sympathize with that viewpoint. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I can understand how it can get a little bit sticky. Um, yeah. Yeah, I've heard arguments on both sides. I feel like, you know, just like Alex said, it, it's it's really just whatever you feel comfortable with uh, personally. Mm-hmm. You know, I've always, mm-hmm. I kind of lean to Alex's viewpoint that, it, you know, if I were to have a press, I might feel a little uncomfortable putting out my own work on it um, just because, you know, I feel like the press is there to elevate other voices. But at the, on the other hand, um, at the same time, you know, I think about like all those uh, punk labels that came out of like the late 80s, early 90s, who basically existed to distribute their own music and stuff. And, you know, nobody shits on like bad religion for starting Epitaph or something, you know, that's mm-hmm. not even part of conversation. It's just kind of interesting how, you know, uh, different art forms kind of have a uh, um, maybe a different innate sense of etiquette or something to them. I personally, I think, you know, fuck it, do whatever you want, get, 
put the book out and put it in readers' hands is most important. I think especially now, you know, self-publishing isn't a uh, isn't as uh, much of a uh, scary thing, or it's not an invalidating thing. Uh, anymore. I th- feel like a lot of authors, you know, uh, both do small press and uh, self-publishing. I think publishing is so slow these days to keep yourself sane as a writer. Sometimes you just got to self-publish something just so you don't have to, you're doing something besides waiting, which I feel like is a big part of the publishing game. So yeah, hell yeah, get the book out there. Yeah, no, It's not just a small press guys either. Like um, Adam Neville, self-publishes a lot of his stuff and he's mm-hmm. you know in term, like you know he's making a living off of being a horror writer he's not like didn't uh eric laroca didn't he have that book that went just massive that was self-published it was self-published <laughs> and yeah. now it's not like uh he, he unpublished it and it's gone through mm-hmm. a bigger press now is it tour uh tight well actually so you're we're thinking of a couple different stories the um the first big one was through weird punk mm-hmm. originally then that one got drawn back and it's out with like, right. i think in books don't quote me on that um mm. but eric also did have a self-published just like hey surprise this is on amazon in it i think it's you've lost a lot of blood or something yeah. like that well, yeah i yeah. think so and that one went crazy right. too so thousands mm-hmm. of copies like within a few weeks or a month or something like that but yeah that's right. a great yeah, example of Someone got the small press, the self pub, and the you know, trad publishing mm. all, all wrapped up in like a single year, basically. Yeah, everybody needs mm. to be taking notes. I feel like as a because my day job is a marketer, I'm kind of interested in just like why shit takes off and stuff. Mm. You know, I feel like that's like such a good example of investing in your cover. Like Eric is obviously a genius. You know, I think we can all, and he, he's a great writer. But also, like, I feel like myself included is that when self-publishing, you know, I've definitely cheaped out on a cover. You know, I, I focus on affordability um, just to get the book out there. And I sometimes I think, like, you know, hey, maybe I should have waited and saved some pennies to, you know, get something truly striking that nobody's ever seen before for a cover. And, you know, that's proof that kind of investment could really uh, – pay off mm-hmm. mm. yeah well, I, I kind of feel like people's eyes yeah mm. i kind of feel like a lot of things have to go right for um something like eric's success to be replicated uh I yes think definitely one of them uh, oh yeah 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 even that story it's um just as provocative as the cover and vice versa mm-hmm. like it's just a strangely perfect hybrid it's amazing it's just amazing with you know they pulled off I think, i've only read uh, uh the things have gotten worse uh but i really liked that one i thought that was like a great example of like a novelette novella that you know and it's just so great to have something that you can just read in one sitting and it just kind of you know it's it reminds you that you know stories are a form of uh entertainment as well as art and you can just kind of sit back and consume it in one sitting and kind of be pulled along for that single thrill mm-hmm. ride and I, I really enjoyed it. I remember taking it with me on the bus to the eye doctor that day. It just kind of became my little buddy throughout a day's errands, and I read it, and it was uh, it was just so delightful. I loved it. Mm-hmm. I just remember feeling uh, I finished it right when I pulled into the grocery store, and uh, I mean, this is a compliment, Eric. I was just completely disgusted and unsettled, and just like 
being there with around, around all those people, I was just like, oh man, let's like, get a shower or something, you know. But again, <laughs> Eric, if, you, if you're seeing this as a compliment, because um, that takes a takes a lot, uh, you know. To, yes, we're all fans, reaction. Eric. So, cheers yeah, to I'm, you. I actually have to confess, I still haven't read this one. Um, yeah, it's... maybe have a whiskey or two nearby, you know. Yeah, <laughs> the bottle maybe that. Serve you well. It's also no, makes it's just, such yeah. like an easier recommendation to people too. Like if you read a short book, like it does, it's just like a single serve novel at novella or something and it kicks mm. ass. You can easily, you know, immediately I told my wife like, Hey, this is pretty rocking. You should read it. And she's like, Oh, the cover's awesome. Cool. I'll do it. And then she read it in a day. I was like, yeah, that was pretty cool. And suddenly, you know, it passes on and it self-perpetuates and then, you know, more, more, more people read the book. I just, you know, it's something amazing about those short formats that it, they represent like such accessibility to like try someone, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. whereas I might be intimidated if somebody was like, oh, I love this new, like weird horror author. Here's a 700 page book. And mm-hmm. I'm like, fuck off. I'm not going <laughs> to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's why, that's why I haven't read a lot of China Mevil. Like, yeah. just, uh, Link me a 3,000 word short story, please, for any samples yeah. or a 17,000 yeah. word novelette. But mm. I think one, one thing I really appreciate about Eric's book, despite not having read it, is that I think it did a lot to sort of dispel this idea that a lot of people had that books have to be full novels to be, you know, viable in the market. Yes. Um, I think uh, there's that other one too, uh, Nothing But Blackened Teeth. I think that was a novella too. It's so mm-hmm. cool seeing these novellas like take yeah. off and go everywhere. It's really fucking cool. Especially, yeah, I really enjoyed Nothing Earth. But Blackened Teeth. Sorry? Yeah, because um, that was Nightfire, right? Tornado. No. I think no? I think you're right. It, it was somebody. It's a yeah. pretty big publisher. To, yeah, to yeah. see them take on a novella is pretty encouraging, I think. Uh, or at oh, least yeah. interesting to see what the future might hold. I love the yeah, idea absolutely. of all these publishers just wanting to publish son- tons of like novellas and novelettes in the future. That's so mm-hmm. exciting to me as a writer because mm-hmm. novels take a long time to write and they're mm-hmm. really challenging. I feel like uh, a novella is so much, it doesn't take quite the same. Uh, it's not quite the same time consumption to right and it's usually i feel like the structure is a little bit simpler so you're not having to like untangle a lot of hopefully not untangling a lot of developmental knots um in editing i feel like i've i've at least been pretty lucky with my novelettes and novellas where the pieces are mostly in place and they just take a little bit of prose polishing to get them to the finish line which is way easier than realizing you need to rewrite like a whole third or something or that nothing makes sense you get to the ending and just nothing makes sense you've realized you've written yourself into a hole 50 pages ago and you don't know what to do mm-hmm. um, which is my favorite least favorite writing experience mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah I, I have enough trouble like wrangling novelettes uh, it's just, uh, I, I fear my first novel you know like it's gonna be difficult to get everything yeah um yeah Carson, what have you got in the pipeline, can I ask? Yeah, um, so I've got um, a novella uh, called Soft Targets that Mm -hmm. um, is just officially announced. It's going to come out from Tenebris Press in March. It's going to be, it's 
pretty cool for me because this is going to be like my first just me book which is um kind of like a um a little bit of like a cool level up for me personally mm -hmm. um so i'm very excited about this i think it's um also going to put me in the middle of a lot of discourse because it is going to be um it does deal with mass violence it's got um some pretty unsavory characters in there it is about you know office workers who uh fantasize about um being the victims of mass shootings and uh causing mass shootings being the shooters so there is this element of kind of like um inherent violence of a desire for violence and kind of uh examines violence as entertainment and also as this kind of uh power fantasy release from capitalism or something mm -hmm. um so which is a lot of words to say that it's going to be probably a little bit difficult but i think it comes from a good place and people hopefully realize that it's that it's not as um exploitative as it might initially sound Mm, yeah, yeah, because this one had quite an interesting road to publication. I don't know. Can you talk about that? Was that? You had a bit of an interesting road to publication, if I it remember did. correctly. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was it was initially rejected, um, but with very very kind remarks um, from Alex and Matt, it kind of came down to just you know not really feeling like they had the network to uh, properly promote it. Um, and then six months later, they, you know, DM me and said, hey, you still have that book? We can't stop thinking about it. And uh, I did have that book. I hadn't sold it yet. So I'm really stoked to be a part of the uh, Tenebris family and uh, have this uh, coming out. Now, you see, for me, I, I, in my head, I, I think that must feel better than an initial acceptance. It was, it, it was, it was pretty cool. Cause yeah. like, it does kind of give you like that feeling like, Oh, I, I won. <laughs> I did. <Yeah>. Yeah. <laughs> I was right. Well, well, just to have like experienced and, you know, very talented, very knowledgeable editors come back after six months ago. We can't stop thinking about this. No, totally. Like, that's, and, the, yeah. and they're so awesome. And so nice. They're so great to work with so far. Um, mm. You know, I, I could, I couldn't have picked like a, better place for it to land I'm, I'm really stoked for the work they do and they're very smart conscientious folks who i think are gonna do the book justice and it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome and yeah and shout out to you. alex and matt for just being incredibly supportive of yes everyone i mean not authors mm. uh publishers like myself i've reached out to them a bunch um they're the best they're they might be the best in the in the small in the small press business right now I yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know Matt personally, but I've had I've had Alex on the show, and uh, yeah, she's she's something special. Yeah, she's cool, really cool. They're and so they, giving with their time and knowledge too mm -hmm. about publishing. I've we uh, at CHM where I'm I'm the co-editor at CHM. We had a we're doing a um, a charity anthology for um, that uh, will support uh, abortion rights. That'll give. Uh, uh, proceeds to the Chicago abortion fund. Um, and we picked their brain um, and they were just so giving. They gave us, you know, giant long email blocks of text and recommendations and ideas and everything. 
just beautiful people. Mm. Yeah, definitely a strong positive influence in the horror community. Mm. Uh, um, Scott, what have you got in the pipeline? Um, well, I sold my um, debut novella to Darklet Press mm-hmm. um, earlier this year. Uh, that should be out, I believe, early next year, 2023. Um, uh, how do I go about describing it? So it's a, you know, I like to take a trope and sound, may sound cliche, but try to do something new with it. So it's a vampire novella, um, but it's more, it's less blood and guts and more on the philosophical, like, hey, if if one lives forever, does anything really have any worth or meaning? And mm. as opposed to them, as opposed to them just running through and tearing apart a bunch of people, it's more like, uh, I don't know if I'm technically allowed to say that. Most of the book, she's starving and she's like living these hallucinations of her past. And it's very like, what is real? What isn't real? I'm very on that train right now. But um, mm. I probably already said too much, but uh, it should be out in a couple months. So uh, I'll just what's, uh, um, what's the title for that again? Sorry. Oh, yeah, that's important. Yeah, sorry. It's um, Our Own Unique Affliction. Awesome. Yeah, oh, that sounds that's great. Cool. I'll definitely pick that up. Yeah. And you, um, do you, I'm like I, a sucker for vampire fiction, too, so that sounds awesome. I, I, yeah, I yeah. love... Okay, so what, what would you recommend? What are some of your favorite, like, vampire fiction? Like, oh, what do you got man. out there? Uh, wow. I mean, uh, Christopher Buhlman's The Lesser Dead is outstanding. Um, yeah, I like that one. <laughs> Um, I mean, you can't not say let the right one in. That's an amazing book uh, as well. Um, I actually just read um, Carmilla for the first time. Oh, yeah. I read that Ooh. one last year for the yeah. first time. Oh, that was a cool one. I was really impressed. I was like, damn, why haven't I read this, you know, uh, before now? But um, that was my first vampire story that I read when I was like oh, cool. a one nine novel. or something. Yeah. yeah. I, I probably shouldn't have read it when I was nine, but it was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of think I could go. I could go on for day. Stephen Graham Jones has some amazing short stories. Like I Vampire agree. Life. Yes, um, I, I can't remember any of the names, but and then Nathan Bollingrud's, um What is that song? Uh, that story called Unbleached. That's exactly what it's called, and that is a fucking amazing story. I haven't read it, but somebody just recommended it to me the other day. Um, but I still haven't. One of my favorite things, though, authors do is like I, I get excited like the like little inner seven-year-old inside me whenever an author does a vampire story in a collection lost art of twilight by Ligotti is actually i think one of my favorite vampire stories um it's it's a pretty cool one i think it's in it's either in songs of a dead dreamer or grim scribe but um it's it's one of those weird ones because you'd never expect like Ligotti to kind of play with such like a, a I guess you'd say standard horror trope, but um, he doesn't really kind of cool, artful way. Nice. But yeah, bring on, bring on the vampire stories. I love them. I can't get enough. Mm. Likewise. Yeah, big fan of vampire stories. Uh, all right, so let me think. So what? Usually, I like to close this out by doing recommendations. I like to get people to recommend something. So I've. Is there anything else you'd like to recommend, Scott? Oh, no, actually, no. Before we do that, Scott, you edited an anthology, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I did. Uh, last year. Um, yeah. One wouldn't do. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So you actually just talk about that for a second. Yeah. I feel like I'd be remiss yeah. if we didn't mention it. 
Sure, sure. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, well, I have this weird, I, I don't know if fascination is the right word. Oh, hey, right on. <laughs> Thanks, Alex. Um, just with kind of grief and loss and like how to move on post loss. And it's, I'd like to think it's not morbid, but that it's just almost, um, uh, it's going to sound weird, but almost guaranteed if you're alive, you're going to experience those things. Mm. And uh, I think it's just a real cool theme to build empathy around and everybody obviously mm. has been through it or will. And uh, long story short, it's just an anthology of, you know, grief, horror, there's noir. Um, uh, Haley Piper actually has like this more fantastical kind of fantasy story in there, which is kind of um, something I don't know if a lot of people have seen from her. So not to pitch the book, but I mean, that's, it's a different take from, um, from her for sure. Um, and then, you know, just other authors like Joe Koch, uh, Eric LaRocca, um, Laurel Hightower, I could go on and on, but um, mm. just uh, it was cool seeing those writers just bring something to that theme, whereas they may not have otherwise. Um, like, for example, Eric LaRocca actually wrote a werewolf story, and mm. I don't know if we would have seen that otherwise. Not, you know, just it just worked out really well. So, um, if you want to get sad and empathetic, I recommend it, but obviously, I'm a bit biased, so. Yeah. Do, you, do you happen to know the name of that Haley Piper story? Oh gosh, um, I can in a, in a moment. I should know off the top of my head, but because uh... I, I, I'm sure I've read a fantasy story that dealt with grief from her in a magazine. Uh, yeah, it was very. Um, let's see. It, I got it here. That was like Rumpelstiltskin, um, like Dream Worlds. Let me see here. The thread that dreams are made of. Thank you, thank you. I'm like. I don't know if that's it. Um, might be. I'm not sure. Yeah, it rings. It certainly rings a bell. Um, yeah, awesome. Yeah, I, that's definitely one to look out for. I'll definitely pick that up at some point. It's a wild right. one. Yeah, definitely. Um, so back to the recommendations. Is there anything else you'd like to recommend, Scott? Any book, game, uh, movie, podcast, uh, just, whatever? Just generally speaking, oh, man. Um, <laughs> I I'm All Girls by Stephen Graham Jones. If you've not read that book, that is maybe maybe my favorite novel of all time um, it's a great one just so good uh really good i don't know i might cut it short because i feel i can't nothing's coming to mind right that's now but definitely mongrels if you've not read that um definitely that one that's fine and carson what about you um so i actually i had the pleasure of blurbing uh patrick barb's new novella turn and it is fucking fantastic. Uh, oh, it's such a cool little book. And if you love vampire stories, you're going to love it. Mm. Um, it's a about vampire, a vampire wrestler and kind of this uh, quest for dominance in the wrestling arena um, while navigating this, um, <laughs> this supernatural threat. It is really, really fun. I love the way like uh, Barb, finds these like flights of whimsy you would have as like a kid playing with action figures or something and then he just twists them into these delightful narratives just filled with life um so yeah patrick barb's turn totally recommend it i think it is a killer novella and it would be like perfect to read this season and like if you have any love for like horror movies as like a kid if you were a horror kid like me you're, you're just gonna dig it it's gonna be so much fun is, is that out now? 
I think it's coming out this month. I'm not sure the exact okay, time. Cool. I think it's actually like a limited um, release or something. Like it's got like a shorter run. So uh, maybe dig up a link or something so people can uh, jump on that. Because yeah, I think we'll, people we'll are going to want to jump on it. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And Alex, anything to recommend from you? Um, for recommendations? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I would second anything from Patrick Barb. He is, he's had a couple uh, dose of dread flash fiction um, stories that I've I posted on the dreadstone website and he is just a phenomenal writer really 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 talented and usually knocks you down with the first line <laughs> it just i don't know how he does it but first lines of his stories are almost always incredible um mm. did you read his and, new flash just that came out the other day yeah uh, with uh it was like something haunting or something it was about the yeah. dad training the kid to yes. be like a goat oh, oh god it, i yeah. can't remember the name but that that one really like I don't, I hate saying this, but like it kind of shook me a little bit. I like read it. And I was like, man, I'm sad now. I'm sad. I, wow. I really, frequently really get jealous whenever I read P Barb. He is just killing it. His ideas are always out of this world and he's got the execution, execution. to match it. Yeah. Yep. He kills it. I love amazing. that. Amazing yeah. story. Yeah. I should get him um, on here at some point. Uh, yeah. yeah you I, I like his work and he's a cool guy. Um, I know him a little yeah. bit. And it's super short too. So it's like the perfect sample. It's like, you know, I'm mm. going to guess a thousand, two thousand words or something. Mm. I th- yeah. I think it's even less than that. And which sp- says so much like the, the ability to write a flash fiction or even micro fiction where you feel like the world is so much bigger than those yes. couple of pages. Yeah. It feels like a whole story, not just like this little snapshot. It's so yep. good. It's almost like that one's like almost a lifetime in a way, you know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. lifespan. It's yeah. incredible what he did with that one. I, re- I really like that one too. Yeah. It's amazing, awesome. like seeing someone pull off such a a natural feeling trick in fiction. It kind of like it reminds me of why I like this shit in the first place. You know, <laughs> why it's such like this overwhelming force in my life. When I read something like that, I'm like, fuck, you know they did it again art art wins out <laughs> it's awesome mm-hmm. i think we're going to read that as soon as we're done here uh yeah, yeah. it's great yeah really bad at keeping up with um flash and stuff like that uh yeah need to go hunting for more of it all right guys well um i think that's about everything did anyone else have anything else they want to talk about real good perfect all right. grateful you had us on it's, uh, yeah. it's been awesome absolutely yeah. my pleasure yeah it's, Thanks, it's been man. fun yeah, yeah, it's always nice to have Carson on. Um, I think semi-regular. Um, yeah. yeah it's, it's great meeting you two. Yeah. yeah. It's always good to meet people. Awesome. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Terrify Me with Anthony Frost. The theme music is by Jason Shaw on audionautics.com and used under Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International License. Follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at TerrifyMePod, all one word. For more from me, visit AnthonyFrost.com or follow me on Twitter at AnthonyRFrost. That's Anthony without an H. See you next time.